Welcome to the Not Old Better Show travel series. I'm Paul Vogelsang. Today's show is brought to you by Autoslash. Today's travel series guest is Nicholas Kraloff, who, as many in the Not Old Better Show audience will know, is a globetrotting author and entrepreneur who has visited almost 100 countries and flown more than 2 million miles. How does he travel that distance, that many miles, and still stay solvent? (laughs) Well, Nicholas Kraloff decided 15 years ago that knowledge is the most effective key to affordable and comfortable travel. Since then, he has mastered the system and learned how to beat the airlines at their own game using their own rules. As you're finishing up your summer travel planning, you may find that booking a flight is like playing roulette. You never know what you'll get. Then there are the fees for everything from luggage to food to your seat assignment. Nicholas Kraloff has felt your pain. (laughs) Nicholas Kraloff is a former U.S. State Department staffer and foreign correspondent for the Financial Times. In those roles, Nicholas Kraloff has learned how to navigate the secrets of the airline industry and get the travel he wants at the price he wants. He shares those secrets in a new book, Decoding Air Travel, a guide to saving on airfare and flying in luxury. Nicholas Kraloff joins us today to tell us that he once saved $5,000 on an international business class ticket. Just how did he manage that? Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Nicholas Kraloff. Nicholas Kraloff, welcome back. As always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, but uh, good to connect this uh, upcoming travel season. It's upon us, but uh, thanks for joining us today. Oh, yes. uh, Same here. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, well, it's good to talk to you. I have had a chance to look at your website a little bit, and we're going to put up links to where we can find you at decodingairtravel.com. I know that you've got a Hong Kong trip coming up. Certainly, there's a lot of um, questions I think in people's mind about uh, foreign travel these days. What can you tell us about uh, the experience, maybe some difficulties, how to make sure and be safe tra- when traveling outside the U.S.? But give us that sense. Uh, since you mentioned the uh, Hong Kong uh, trip, so this is uh, part of uh, what we call diplomacy tours and as by Academy, which is the Washington International Diplomatic Academy. And we have first a trip to Europe in October, which is uh, connected to the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. And so that that covers Germany and Bulgaria to, to see things from the perspective of both those countries. And then Asia is in November, and that's Hong Kong and Japan. And the theme there is the 30th anniversary of Tiananmen Square, of the massacre in Tiananmen Square in 1989. So they're both sort of thematic. Um, and... Um, People can find information on that on uh, diplomacytours.com. But if yes, but if they don't go as a group, if many Americans go obviously on their own, as I do most of the time, it's uh, probably very wise to do two main things. The first is you have to educate yourself about what the airline system has become because you don't want to spend the night at the airport. You don't want to arrive at your destination two days later and miss your cruise or ruin your wedding, honeymoon and or whatever, maybe a family wedding you're going to. 
And uh, that means have, having the tools to react to anything that happens during travel. Things happen, the weather, mechanical problems, strikes, other disputes. And you don't want to be at the mercy of an airline to f figure out what to do. And my sister just two weeks ago had to spend the night at the airport in Newark because a, a United plane blew a tire on landing and they closed the airport. And because it was so backed up, the traffic was so backed up, they ended up canceling her flight. Uh, the second thing, and we can talk more about this, of course, but the second thing is it's always a good idea to check the State Department travel website for those who travel overseas because they always have up-to-date information about any unrest, any problems that might be going on in the country, on the region, or the region you're going to, that there'll be information about how to sign up um, with the uh, embassy in the country, the American embassy in the country going to, just in case something happens and you need help. Uh, sometimes things happen. No, nobody wants to get evacuated from a foreign country, but if it comes to it, the American embassy is there to help you. So travel.state.gov is that website. And um, it's very a very good idea to check it before going. Even if you think you're going to a country that is peaceful, stable, and developed, it's still worth doing that. Good. Good tip. Thank you for that. Yeah, certainly I never like to hear about passengers getting stranded and uh, too, too bad about about your sister. But that, that seems to be in the news. And, and certainly... Uh, Boeing as a company has been in the news lately for some of the things that have happened as a result of their airlines and uh, uh, their airliners. United as a company has been in the news. Seems like we're seeing an awful lot about broken planes and other problems. It, it, what other bit of advice can you give us about planning for some of that? Because I think that's important to take into, into consideration. Well, the first thing is when you start looking for a plane ticket, you have to know and understand what you're buying. These days, with these basic economy fares, it's so misleading because <clears throat> you think you're buying something and it turns out you actually you're getting something different. So you have to read the fine print. You have to look at what does the fare you're paying getting you? What is it getting you? Is it, is it just getting you the right to be on that plane or just the right to get from point A to point B? In other words, what if, as you know, they always oversell flights. What if you have a ticket, but you don't have a seat assignment, and when you check in, all seat assignments are taken? What do you do then, right? So you have to know, does your fare include a seat assignment? Is it for free? Is it for an additional fee? Carry on. Even now, even with the carry-ons now, we thought that the, only the check-back uh, fees were a problem. Now there are carry-on problems because United has this economy, basic economy fare does not include a carry-on. It includes a personal item. There's a difference. You have to pay extra for a carry-on because the basic economy fare on United does not entitle you to space in the overhead bins. That's not the case with American and Delta, but United's uh, econ basic economy fares are the most draconian in the industry uh, and, I'm, and I'm speaking the main carriers. Obviously, Spirit is more draconian than that. But you can't take a carry-on with wheels. That's not allowed. That's a, 
if you try to take it, if you go to the gate, try to take it, not only will they charge you a $25 fee to check it, they'll charge you an additional $25 fee just because you're checking it at the gate. So that's one thing to consider. Then do you want miles? Do you want to earn miles? Well, on those fares, you're not going to earn 100% miles. You may earn only 50%. Maybe you won't earn at all elite qualifying miles. So you have to look very closely at what you're buying. And then once you have the ticket, one of the things that people neglect to do is, even if they're entitled to seat assignments, they don't bother until they, they go to check in. And by that time, guess what? Only middle seats are left. Very often, it's worth checking in once a week. If you have two months until your flight or, or less or whatever the case may be, Log in once a week. It's not going to take you more than 10 seconds. Look at the seat map. And even if you are in the middle seat, probably something will open up that's better than a middle seat. And so I'll call, I call that uh, gardening your reservation. So, yeah, don't just dream of the beach in Tahiti, but make sure that the, your Tahiti trip isn't ruined by something that could have been prevented, or at least... So something done to cushion the, the, the blow of a delay or whatever the case might be. And then on the travel day, something I always do, I always track my plane to see where it's coming from. Because often delays are obvious, but they don't tell you until you're at the gate. And if your plane's coming from Asia, you've got 12 hours, right? If your plane left Beijing six hours late, there's no way you're going to make your flight, right? Because it's six hours. And for usually, I'll just give you an example since we started talking about United. Usually, not every day, but usually United, United's late flight to London at 10 or so p.m. uses the plane that comes from Beijing. It's a 787, the Dreamliner. And so if that plane is late coming in from Beijing, they only have two, just over two hours turnaround time. So if the plane is late six hours, there's no way in hell that you're going to go to London at the scheduled time. But you will know that much in advance. And that has helped me a lot. I've had, I still remember a trip to San Francisco on a, on a Boeing trip, a seven, uh, 777 that was coming from Sao Paulo. And... United hadn't bothered to tell me that, that there was going to be a delay. In fact, the United hadn't even loaded up in their system that my flight was going to be delayed. But since I knew what the, where the plane was coming from, I knew and I was able to react to it. So these are some of the things that I would advise. Hi, it's Paul. And we'll be right back with globetrotting travel expert, Nicholas Kralo. Oh, boy. Listen to those waves. Here we are in July, and the idea of vacationing by the beach is already on my mind. And I know, like me, you've probably got summer vacation travel coming up or other travel planned that may involve a car rental. And just like Nicholas Kralov has mastered the system and learned how to beat the airlines at their own game using their own rules, today's sponsor, Auto Slash's website, beats car rental companies at their game too. Car rental is tricky. Car rental has turned into a major annual chore for summer vacations with bewildering arrays of deals that appear cheaper but can leave 
unwary Not Old Better Show audience with large bills later on. Today's sponsor, Auto Slash, finds deals, coupons, and other discounts at the biggest car rental companies to save you cash. Auto Slash applies every coupon code you're eligible for, including publicly available codes and special membership-only codes if you indicate you're a member of Costco, AAA, or other memberships like frequent flyer programs. Auto Slash is free to use, and Auto Slash will compare prices across other rental sites rather than just vehicles that are in stock. Once you add your reservation number into the Auto Slash tracker, Auto Slash will keep on looking for better deals right up until you pick up your car. That is awesome. But here's the big difference, in my opinion. The free rates, again, the free rates from Auto Slash, those offers can be booked directly through the Auto Slash website and they save you even more money off of the rental car. The website literally walks you through how to get a quote, track your quote, and when you complete the process, you let AutoSlash know the best email address to send you your rental information in less than 15 minutes, possibly are saving an average of 30%. That's 30% savings. Whether or not AutoSlash is better than a car rental website is for you to decide, but AutoSlash has received outstanding reviews. And I will tell you this, the AutoSlash Facebook page, they have a 4.9 out of 5 average rating based on hundreds of ratings. A vast number of the review comments indicate that Autoslash took minutes to finish its low price search compared to the hours it took consumers to attempt all this on their own. There are many similarities and differences between Autoslash and traditional rental sites. However, with the possibility to save money, Autoslash is definitely worth trying, especially this summer when you're traveling the most. Autoslash.com And now back with globe-trotting travel expert, Nicholas Kraloff. Well, let's keep the conversation going on United a little bit because they've been in the news for um, being a bit uh, draconian, as you suggest, with regard to their rewards program and devaluing it. So tell us a little bit about the rewards programs and you know what you're seeing, because this changes frequently. So who are among the best rewards programs and rewarding loyalty and what kinds of things are they doing now? Um, why are some of them devaluing the programs? This is a topic I spent quite a bit of time on in my seminar because things have changed so much and because the value in those programs has plummeted. And so I want people to understand when they should earn miles, when they should burn miles, and um, what the best use of, va- of those miles actually is. So it's not just United. All the frequent flyer programs have been devalued over the past decade. And I believe that is directly related to uh, consolidation in the industry. All these mergers, we used to have more than double the number of airlines that we have now. And back then, so there was real competition. Now you've got three. You've got United, Delta, and and, uh, American. That's it. These are the frequent five programs. Yes, we have Alaska, and which, of course, absorbed uh, Virgin America. Alaska's program actually is possibly the most rewarding of the four at this point, although it has its limitations because it's it's a smaller carrier. It really doesn't fly um, internationally other than Mexico and the Caribbean and Canada. And um, 
it's not part of a global alliance like United is part of the Star Alliance and American is, is in uh, One World, Delta is in Sky Team. So what has happened, I think it comes from corporate greed. I think the airline executives, but once all the mergers were done, they decided that they didn't have to really be that as nice to their customers as before because uh, there was not as much competition. And, the, and once... Um, one of the carriers devalues, everybody follows. And typically, Delta is first and then the others, the others follow. So what has happened is it is now much, much more difficult to earn miles, meaning that they give you now far, far fewer miles for a flight because now it's not based on the distance you fly, but the money you spend. So it's not, I don't know, I don't know how they even call it miles anymore. Right, it should be called points or whatever they or, or or cents or whatever pennies, because for a trip to the west coast, that in the so Dallas, Washington, Dallas to LAX is uh, twenty to eighty eight, so it's two thousand two hundred eighty eight miles. In the past, uh, from for myself as a an elite member of the top elite member of the of the frequent fly program, I would have earned double miles for this flight right and now i can't even earn half of that of, of the not of the 2288 because it's based on the money and i'm not going to pay two thousand dollars to fly to la when i can pay 250 or 300 or whatever the case might be so much easier to earn and uh it's not only that they give you much fewer miles when you fly but they want even more to when you redeem for flights so these these levels, the, the award chart, so to speak, well then, so they are, they are award chart, but I say so to speak because actually some airlines are getting rid of award charts and just uh, want to charge you whatever they say they should charge you. Delta has completely removed award charts from their website. So now you don't know in advance how much it's going to cost, but you have to go to that day you want to fly and choose a flight and then see how many miles it will cost. And uh, so... The, the lesson learned from all this is that it doesn't pay to keep too many miles in that account, whether it's United Mileage Plus or Delta Sky Miles, also known as Sky Pesos, because they're worth almost nothing. Uh, and I say that because this has to do with credit cards. If you have a United credit card, have it. Get it because you're going to get uh, free bags. You will get priority boarding and all that. You'll get a couple of uh, free visits to a United uh, Lounge Club at an airport. Um, every year they give you, your anniversary, they give you two passes to the club. And, uh, and But that's it, right? Don't actually put spend on it. Don't, don't put money on that card. Get a Chase. <laughs> this is funny because it's the same bank. It's Chase Bank, right, that issues both the United card and their own cards. And in fact, just the other day, United has been uh, was expressing uh, dissatisfaction uh, from their relationship with Chase because the actual Chase cards, the straightforward Chase cards, not United co-branded, just Chase cards like the, the Sapphire, the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Chase Sapphire Reserved. These are much better cards. And United is mad at that. And even though Chase pays billions of dollars to United every year for this relationship they have, United see, uh, now sees that people don't spend enough money on those United cards. On, uh, apparently, lately, they haven't had too many people even getting the, the United card. 
And so they, after, after this contract is up, apparently they want to negotiate a different contract. But the point is, Chase gives you the opportunity to earn points on your spend, whatever you put on the card. It gives you bonus points for several categories, travel, or dining, and all that. So you earn points, in this case, much faster than you would on the United card. And then guess what? You can transfer the Chase points to, to, to the United to your United account, your United Mileage Plus account, if you want to use them to, to redeem for, for flights. And the transfer is instant. My point is, if you, let's say you want to go, go to Bali and you need 80,000 miles for a business one-way business class ticket. Well, if you have the miles in your United account, all you can do is United Star Alliance, right? That's it. You're limited to a ticket that you can get with United Miles. But what if United or Star Alliance don't have availability on the day you want to fly? Then you're stuck. You have to pay money for it. But what if you can go to American or Cathay Pacific or Delta? or another airline that might get you to Bali on miles. Well, then Chase has the same transfer relationship with several other airlines, not just United. So then you transfer those points from Chase, again, one-to-one ratio, to another airline from the list of their partners. And then you get your ticket and bye-bye United because, right? So the point is, in this case, you, you would have had the, the miles in the United account and they would have been worthless because there is no availability and you can't use them. So that's why flexibility is much better for customers these days. Some American Express is the same thing. American Express rewards, or they call the membership rewards. They have many airlines as transfer partners. And again, in most cases, the transfer is instant, meaning that you... First, you go and check, is there availability on the day I want to travel, right? And then you transfer the miles. There is no point having the miles in the account if you can't use them. So that's why these new, fairly new uh, credit card programs or bank programs like American Express, Chase, City, Citibank, American Express is the oldest of these programs, but they, they design their own sort of loyalty programs. Um, and you can keep your points, they call them points, although Capital One calls, calls them miles, but they're points. And um, then you decide the, what you want to do with those points. You don't have to transfer them necessarily. You can actually keep your Chase points in your Chase account and just redeem them for flights that you would buy directly from Chase, but it won't be based on an award chart. It will be just based on a ratio of how many miles per dollar, and Chase issues a ticket that looks like you bought it with money. The airline wouldn't even know that you paid money, that you paid points for this, because Chase issues the ticket from their own uh, engine, airfare engine. And for all practical purposes, when the ticket, when United or whatever the airline is opens the ticket, it looks like any ticket bought with money. So you're going to get miles for that ticket. But it's just that it, it's sort of, it's like cashback in that case, that you spend, you need to pay $1,000 for 
um, a ticket, instead of paying the dollars, then you can use your Chase points to pay directly without transferring the miles to the airline. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds complicated, but I go uh, into all that in my (laughs) seminar. (laughs) Well, Nicholas Kraloff, we sure appreciate your time. And so I just have one question for you, one final question. You really have had some success saving people a lot of money. And so tell us, what's your biggest success (laughs) to to date? And, uh, And how'd you do it? Well, there've been quite a few, and that just so people understand. So I, I do head up the the diplomatic academy I spoke of earlier. That's because this has been an interest and expertise of mine for many years. And I started when I was a journalist. I essentially felt compelled to learn this system because I wanted to, with the, the, this limited travel budget I had, I wanted to make more trips. And the only way for me to do that was to learn how to spend less money on uh, one trip. So uh, then when I left um, journalism, I for a few years I had a company that did consulting in um, air travel. And so that was part of uh, the reason I wrote my book. And uh, I used to do seminars much more frequently than uh, I do now. Now I do them just to help people, and I don't do them very often, but uh, when I get inspired, I do that. Um, so um, I, I also have helped people directly. When I have time, I may help uh, other people I know, or sometimes people, friends of friends of friends, people <laughs> who turn out to be people I may not know. But um, uh, one case of um, a substantial savings in economy was $1,300 compared to what the uh, the airline website was giving me. And this was a, you can always save more money on a more complex trip. If you just want to go from DC to Chicago one uh, non-stop, there isn't much you can do because it's one flight each way, right? It's, but once you have two or three flights, then things get complicated and you get more than one airline involved and, and things become uh, a bit, well, can, can become a bit messed up. So in this case, this was a trip to Chile, down to southern Chile, Patagonia, Punta Arenas, Punta Arenas, which is the, the very south of Chile. And it been, I think it involved three flights from Washington. It was a friend of mine who had to go for work but and I have the screenshot in my book, and I, I show it at the uh, at the seminar, and I show the booking classes how the the airline website was trying to book me into a certain booking class, which was very high. Um, it was either a full wide a full wide fare is always the full full fare the most expensive, and um, it was give, but the flights were booked as what's called a coach chair code share that this it's marketed by one airline but it's actually operated by another and i managed to sort of force the the flights that are operated by a partner airline into the what we call true flights with the the real flight numbers not the code share flight numbers but the the flight numbers that the actual operating airline gives those flights and just by doing that i was able to change the code the booking code i'm not to change it because i can't manually change the code i just uh, I book whatever is the lowest available. But once I was able to book them as 
uh, different flight numbers belonging to the actual airline operating the flight, then that affected the booking code and that, that saved $1,300. Uh, but um, yeah, that's uh, the recollection, and that's also explained actually in the book. Mm. Impressive. Yeah, the book is a bestseller, and this is complex stuff. It it takes time to understand it. As as Nicholas Kralov suggests, it's a science. But the seminar is coming up August third. We're going to put links up to where you can find more information about Nicholas Kralov and also decodingairtravel.com. But Nicholas Kralov. Thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. We wish you the best and uh, all the health that you uh, you need to make it through this summer travel season. Uh, yes, I'm still trying to get to, to my 100th country. I'm at 97 and I keep going to the same countries over and over again. So <laughs> hopefully soon I'll be able to add a new one to the list. Um. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for your time, Nicholas Kralov. You're welcome. Your pleasure. My thanks to Nicholas Kralov for joining us today. My thanks to Autoslash for sponsoring today's show. Please check out the links for Nicholas Kralov and Autoslash in the show notes. Of course, my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please keep your emails coming to me with show ideas, suggestions, and comments at info at notold-better.com. Remember, let's talk about better than Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 